0: to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for spending this hour to share the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: Thanks, Terry.
0: Thank you for so much. Bishop Strickland, before I go into the tweets, if someone's brand new and you're watching on YouTube because we get hundreds of new listeners that way every week, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and look at some of the other podcasts and shows with the Bishop Strickland Hour. Matter of fact, all the other shows that virgin most powerful radio does but today before i get into just to set the stage bishop strickland's tweets and then get right into the catechism about scripture i wanted to send something to you that i'm going to suggest that you tweet from bishop fulton j sheen and it's it seems like it was 70 years ago he wrote this and again we've been here before bishop strickland the man was prophetic. He had such insights to what was going on in the culture way back then. Here's what he said about socialism. As men become indifferent to right and wrong, like today, we're indifferent between right and wrong, disorder and chaos increases. Well, we see that. And the state steps in to organize the chaos by force. Dictatorships arise in such fashion Such is the essence of socialism, the compulsory organization of chaos. Uh, Bishop Strickland, uh, give me your thoughts on what Fulton Sheen said about socialism. I want to hear your response.
1: Well, once again, the the good archbishop is prophetic. And as he speaks of chaos, Terry, that is referred to In Genesis Mm. before God brought order to creation Mm -hmm. there was chaos yeah and to me that's what we really have to underscore is God (laughs) that we are created by God we as human beings are created in the image and likeness of God chaos ensues when we leave God out of the picture and not just leave God out but we replace the true God the one true God yeah. Father Son and Holy Spirit with ourselves and the chaos really is getting quite serious mm-hmm. um it's you know we've all heard the image or the idea of the 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 fish just gradually yeah, boiling. Wednesday. Heating up the water until it boils. When do we a time? It seems like from what we're seeing things are about to boil over. I agree. Um and where that comes from and you know, I'm not a prophet as Archbishop Sheen was, but um we don't have to be prophets to just as the scriptures say, look at the look at the signs of the times, look at the world around you. And when we ignore God, ignore sin, ignore objective truth, all the things that we see happening, um, chaos ensues. And that, if you could send me that quote, I'd love to tweet it yeah, because it, it, it need, it's something we all need to reflect on because you could go turn on the news and these sad shootings that, Within a few days, too, in different cities. Um, And, you know, whatever the cause, it's loss of precious human life and violence. Amen. And it's chaos. And people pointed this and pointed that. I think we just need to point at a lack of respect for life and a lack of respect for the reality that life comes from God. Amen. We can't just dispose of it. All of that is, is what Archbishop Sheen was seeing yep. even 70 years ago. He was, it, it's, you know, another image. Um, it's like he was seeing the tip of the iceberg yeah. just beginning, even before we were born. I mean, neither of us are 70 years old. We're not that old. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might look at <laughs> Archbishop Sheen could see it coming.
0: yeah
1: And now we're the iceberg is emerging so that it's we have to be blind not to see it. Yeah. But many people have been blinded. And like we were talking about before we started this afternoon that um, people are assuming a lot yeah. that isn't the truth. Yeah. A few years ago, there was a movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, right. <laughs> the dogs may, but um, <laughs> dogs are not created in the image and likeness of God. I love dogs. Sure. But they are creatures that do not have the call of eternal life that we have. Amen. Um, maybe all dogs go to heaven, but not all people do. Yeah. God invites us all. He wants us all to embrace the life that he's given us, that he's won for us through his son. But it's up to me. It's up to you. It's Amen. up to using our free will to choose God's will. And if we don't do that, we don't just get an automatic ticket to heaven. And really, Terry, um, I would emphasize Tell me. that it's not... All about the afterlife. I mean in the early church, the church went through sorting virtually everything out that we believe as Christians, as Catholics. Yep. Who is Jesus? Who were we? What's this life about? And early on you can read that there were sects within Christianity that said, you know, well we might have just well ended here. We've all got to just hurry up and get to heaven. That isn't God's will. And when we shortchange God's will for our own will, then that is not the path to heaven. We, the church, learned that, no, this life isn't something to escape from and to just leave behind. It's something to transform on our path to heaven. And so believing in the call of everlasting life is believing even more deeply in the goodness of this world, in the value of creation, in the value of every day and every moment and every opportunity. Um, When we let go of God, we don't see people valuing this world more. We see them valuing it less. And it becomes, what can I grab for this empty life that's only this world. Um, So believing in life eternal is the best way to transform life in this world.
0: Well, you know, I've thought of a priest who said to me that when you sin, uh, your intellect is darkened. And then another priest said it this way. He said, sin makes you stupid. I thought, well, I can relate to that. Uh, And the reason is, is because you don't even see what you're doing. You're actually so much outside of what you know God in your life that it doesn't even cross you, your mind about the next world. You're just saying, what can I do tonight that's going to make me feel good, whether it's drugs, illicit sex, or whatever you're going to do. And that's really a sad commentary on our culture. But I think that, well, here in Southern California, I, I see that all the time. Now, Bishop Strickland, you made a, a tweet that I thought, wow, a bishop is saying this? I mean, thank you again. And this is what you said. I kind of ridiculed the Equality Act. You said the so-called Equality Act, meaning it's not an Equality Act, denies that we are created in God's image and likeness and promotes the idea that we create ourselves independent from God. Yeah, we become our own God. This is false, you said, and it's destructive to the human society. And then you said this, you got political. What? A bishop? should. No, you said, tell your senators to vote a strong no on legislation. And then you said, we must speak up. And I thank you because here's the bottom line. Senior George Kelly wrote a book back in 1979. Where's the church going? Where its leaders take them. We look at you as a bishop as kind of like, you know, like a general and you're firing the the big guns, spiritual guns I'm not talking about military, but spiritual guns and saying, "Hey, stand up, and we're your foot soldiers, but you know what bishop Strickland I'm not going to stand up as strong unless my boss, my you know general, which is you know the, the bishops, our successors of the apostles, are leading us to say, Speak up, talk to your senators, you know uh don't sit on your hinds, get up and 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 pray, and make you know sacrifices." All this we need to hear from guys like you. And I thank you for doing that because as a layman, it it inspires me to fight harder for the fate. So give us, you know, are are you, uh, what made you speak so boldly about this so-called Equality Act?
1: Well, one exception that I would take in what you said, Terry.
0: Good, I'm glad you're going (laughs) to.
1: Is talking to your senators. To me, that's not political. That's oh, okay. being civic responsibility. What are they there for? Yeah, They're there to help shape our society. Right. If we believe they're doing things wrong, we speak up. Amen. That's not political, in, in my opinion. Okay. It's just being a good citizen. I, a good citizen of the nation good. and a good citizen of the world. I mean, I don't want to beat up on you. You're no, a nice good. guy. But, no, no, beat up on um,
0: me because people say every time we speak about pro-life, I get constantly, stop being politicizing this. Or I'm going to even tell you guys that are dressed like you would say giving Holy Communion to people like our president is political. You're you're politicizing Holy Communion. And I just keep saying to myself, please, we just want to speak the truth. We don't care about what, you know, we we care about one thing. What's going to help build up the kingdom and what is the objective truth here? You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I'm going to let him beat up on me on the other side of this break. I love it. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour with Terry Barber, on virgin most powerful. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I love it when the bishop says, Terry, I take issue with you. And I I wish he'd do more of that because I I, I need some correction. Bishop Strickland, we're talking about a a tweet that you put out on the so-called Equality Act. I just want to give our Holy Father kudos to say thank you very much, Holy Father. Pope Francis condemns gender theory not one time, not two times, three times. And he says, the family is under attack. And here's here's the quote. I just thank him so much for clarity here. He said, gender theory is an error. Wow, that's clear. Of the human mind that leads to so much confusion, the Pope said. Boy, Holy Father, a big thank you for your clarity here because that's what I think we need. So Bishop Strickland, you were saying that it's not political to make comments about telling the your flock to go to your the senators and to your public officials and let them know your positions on things. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. And, um, you know, as I beat up on you, yeah, I beat I love, up on myself, too, because <laughs> we all get pulled into using language yeah. the way people use it. When, very often, when people hear truth that they don't want to hear, they say, "Oh, you're getting political." I <laughs> don't. Um, that's just the catchphrase yeah. for our time. Yeah. But it's not calling your senator. He's already been elected. He's an elect. He or she is an elected official. Yep. Yeah. And it's their job to represent what their constituents want enacted as law and how the society needs to run. So it's our job to let them know. Amen. What we believe. What we want through yes, the political process of electing them, mm-hmm. but then through hopefully just doing their best and our best to live and promote the truth. Yeah. And thank goodness for Pope Francis mm-hmm. once again repeating I uh, I I love it that that gender theory is an error. Yeah, that's clear. It is false. Mm-hmm. And it is deeply destructive. Amen. To human society, and to the individual human person. Once again, it goes back to God created us in his image and likeness, yep. male and female, he created us, and we need to, that's one basic area. We talk about bowing to God's will. God created us male or female. Yeah. And we should bow to that. And if there's confusion, if there are um, feelings that are, are conflicted, sure, we need to, to love those people, to yeah, support yeah. them, to help them work through it. But the answer is, how did God make you? Yep. And there are only two choices, male and female. And so it, it really, the gender theory is some of what develops once we dismiss God. Yeah. And so then nobody made us. We just popped out of nowhere. And then, well, we don't have an image or likeness that guides us. We just create ourselves. Yeah. So it's, it's a progression of error that we're seeing take over society. And that's what the Equality Act is about, codifying yeah. error. Amen into our laws laws should never be in conflict with the basic natural laws that god has used to guide creation and gender theory is in conflict with natural law of course much less it, it 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 hopefully will stay in conflict with <laughs> our um legislated law but in a democracy, if the majority is in error, then uh, we talk about Archbishop Sheen all the time. And that reminds me of a, a basic statement he made that when the majority is wrong, it doesn't change the truth. That's right. And, and a lot of times the majority today is wrong. They're in error. We can vote in things that are simply not the truth. And therefore, it's not gonna be sustaining and it's not gonna help people flourish if it's contrary to objective truth.
0: Thank you, Bishop Strickland. Thank you, because if, in fact, this Equality Act gets through, the effect not only on the Catholic Church but all of our brothers and sisters of Christian denominations are going to be in violation of the law when they proclaim revealed truth of the gospel. And, you know, I hope that doesn't happen, but I know what side of the fence I'm going to be on when, you know, that happens. I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel because a government says you can't do it because the church has been there before. Matter of fact, it's there in China right now. They're closing churches. They're persecuting guys who speak up on the faith. And, um, you know, we might have that persecution here. Well, you know, um, life is short. Eternity is forever. All I can say to our Listeners, is this ask for the grace to be faithful to the end, and we can look at our big brothers and sisters. We call them the saints. Man, they've done it. They've been there, done that, as they say today. So I don't. I'm not fretting over it. If if God allows this to happen, then we have to deal with it and stick to our guns. not not figuratively. Stick to our guns. Meaning, we got to stick to our principles of our Catholic faith.
1: Stick to the truth.
0: The truth of the gospel. Amen. Bishop Strickland, shifting gears, we want to talk about our big brothers and sisters. On St. Patrick's Feast Day, you uh, tweeted that St. Patrick evangelized Ireland. Yes, he certainly did. And St. Cyril of Jerusalem uh, fought Arianism, uh, and St. Joseph guarded the Son of God and his mother Mary. And then you said something about like an intercessory. You said, may these men of faith from centuries in the past inspire men and women today to be strong always. Now, what are you asking them to be strong in? To seek God's holy will. We must fight evil, he said, with what? Not with guns. We must fight evil with God's love. Those are our marching papers. man. That's our marching orders right there, Bishop Strickland. uh, And and let me just throw one more thing in before you answer that. Tomorrow on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful, Father Charles Murr, great theologian from San Francisco, good friends of Father Fessio, he is going to do the second part of what does the 4th century and the 21st century have in common in regards to Holy Mother the Church. And the first one was a home run and the second one's going to be a home run, so I want to put a plug in for that. So getting back to your, your, your tweet about St. Patrick and what you're asking us to do, Bishop Strickland, tell us again, what, why is St. Patrick such a key player for us today?
1: Well, what I mentioned in that tweet, we just happened to have three wonderful saints, yeah. two very well-known, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, yeah. less well-known, but each of them lived in a, a world torn by sin and falsehood, um, and they they fa- face those challenges. Mm-hmm. St. Cyril of Jerusalem and St. Patrick of Ireland were more or less contemporaries, fairly close in time. Mm-hmm. Of course, St. Joseph was there in the first century as the adoptive father of Jesus, but these three men, and they are just men, yeah. they're not gods, nope. they're men, Um, but they said yes to the will of God and made great sacrifices for that. Yes. And did tremendous work. And we're challenged to do the same thing in the 21st century. God's grace is as powerful as it ever was. The truth as it's true as it ever was. The light of Christ still shines brightly, even in a world that tries to ignore that light. But, uh, we as people of faith need to be joyful and strong mm. and vigorous yeah. in, in speaking against the falsehoods of our time because they are, the loud voices are, frankly, ridiculous. Yeah. They are not rooted in any philosophy of truth, in any revealed truth. They are rooted in the, the chaos that comes from people who have lost their way and we as Christians we can't be quiet no. we have to speak up not in a belligerent way not in a bigoted way ever I mean that's contrary to Christianity Amen. we do those things and we need to go to confession we've committed sin but speaking up in truth is the greatest charity yeah the greatest love the greatest mercy is to speak the truth. Yeah. Bishop
0: Strickland, we only have a minute or two for this segment, but there's a question that came up. One of our listeners, he's a uh, man here in uh, California, and he asked the question, uh, talking about the Ten Commandments, he said, I had a situation, and I just want a clarity on my situation here. I I was um, outside my van putting my equipment away, and there was a man beating up on a woman here in Southern California. And it was terrible. He said he was violent with her, and um, I uh, I was like what like stunned. What what is going on here? And when he saw it, he uh, he was like, well, what can I do? And um, so he just continued to do what he was doing, putting his stuff in. And then he saw another woman screaming at him, stop it, stop what you're doing. And I said, well, did you call the police? You know. He says, no, I didn't do anything. And I felt like I had a sin of of omission. I should have at least called the police. And I'm. I want to know if you think I should go to confession. That's his question right now to you, as a bishop. If this guy came to you and said I need some direction, that's what happened. What What was his moral responsibility uh, in a situation like that, Bishop Strickland? Put you on the spot.
1: I, absolutely, I would agree with his own assessment yeah. that he, it's a sin of omission. Yep. I mean, like we say, yep, things I have done and things I've failed to do. Yep. And to fail to render aid even legally, yeah, you can get in trouble for that, um which is proper, I mean, as human beings, when we see another human being threatened, yes we should we may feel powerless, and we may have very little power, but at least calling the police, yeah yep uh, intervening in in whatever way we can, yeah,
0: all right, when we come back, we're going to talk about. Judgment, hell, and heaven. You know, I've loved the four last things. And you know what else? I want to just make a plug-in. I got a minute here. We never have a show without saying, please get involved with Forty Days for Life or some pro-life group at the abortion clinic. Lives are being saved by going out and praying your rosary at the clinic, giving women alternatives to abortion. And I noticed that it's a very ecumenical movement, Bishop Strickland. We have our Protestant brothers right alongside of us. Praying at those clinics and giving people opportunities to save lives. And I want to encourage people to continue to do that. And you know, I know you're gonna get people to yell at you and scream at you, but think of it this way, everybody. If we're a Christian and we're doing out, we're living out our faith, the world, the flesh and the devil, they're not gonna like what you're doing. Okay. That's just how it works. Just know that that God will be with you to give you the strength to persevere because speaking up for life is the number one issue, in my humble opinion, that we as Catholics and Christians can stand up for. When we come back, another tweet regarding judgment, hell, and heaven on the Bishop Strickland Hour. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I'm going to talk about a tweet that Bishop Strickland tweeted, but before I do that, I want to tell a quick story, because stories really make it clear. I uh, met with a gentleman today who had been in prison, and he got converted by reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the book that we're going to be going into. And when he got out of prison, he was listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. He's a Hispanic man, and he got married outside the church like before he went into prison and so when he came out he was listening and he heard us talk about if you're unmarried if you're married outside the church you should go to your parish and look at getting your marriage convalidated and a you know, big term but basically get it blessed by the church and so he called me and said i heard you guys talking about it i went to my parish and the parish said, we're not doing that, it's COVID-19, we can't, we're, we're closed, we can't be doing things like that. So I uh, called a canon lawyer friend of mine, a priest, and uh, he said, oh, no problem, we, we can do that quite simple. And so I put the two together, they uh, decided to have uh, not only just a Mass, uh, they went to confession before the Mass, which was really a good idea. The man wanted to really prepare and um, had a beautiful, uh, full blown ma- uh, mass and, ro- and wedding, uh, with all the you know uh, it, she was dressed in her bridegroom it was beautiful. I was there, and um, he came by today to just say thank you. And you I, I don't have to thank me. So I gave him Bishop Sheen's "Life Is Worth Living." And they had a four year old daughter, uh, who really a lively little girl, beautiful little girl. So that she she got the uh, Baltimore Catechism on DVD with sacred art that we published. And now he's a daily listener still for the many years that he's been out of prison. And he's on fire for the faith. And you know, Bishop Strickland, when you tweet things like you're, and I'm going to read, that's what grabs people, the fundamentals of the faith. And I want to just compliment you, and I'll let you get to your part. but I want to compliment you because you continually hit on the basics of the faith. You don't even, you know, you don't get really deep into the hypostatic union and, you know, we're theology at night, you know. I get all that for certain guys, but you know, I hear you preaching, and you're preaching to the masses, Joe Sixpack, okay? The guy who's hardworking with a wife and family, and he wants to come home and know that what he's doing is important, and how he's serving his wife and family is getting him to heaven. That's what he needs to know, and that's what you're doing. So here it is, the, tw- the tweet you said, we are created, there it is, to know, love, and serve God in this life so as to be happy with him in the next that's right for the baltimore catechism <laughs> in fact uh, uh, this and so anyhow you said this that to be happy with him in the next but bishop strickland this is not brain surgery you're just giving us the fundamentals of who why we're here why do you keep hitting on that because i i just told you why i like it but why why do you keep hitting on the basics
1: what what's your point? because people don't know the basics yeah we've talked a lot about yeah. the the fundamentals yeah. and we've talked about in in sports yeah if you don't know the fundamentals I'll just use the example of snow skiing okay I'm no great Olympic snow skier but I've skied a lot and enjoyed it okay um but you got to know some fundamentals I uh, as a young guy in, in college yeah, went and I was smart enough because the people I went with advised me the yeah. first time I went skiing, Yeah, they said, take at least a half day lesson yeah. to learn the fundamentals. Makes sense. And it'll make it much easier. Yeah. You'll enjoy it more. I had a friend that came the, the next couple of years. They had a nephew that came along with us and he said, ah, he'd never skied before. And he <laughs> was athletic and he said, oh, I don't need a lesson. I'll just get out there and ski. He spent the whole morning standing up and falling down, standing (laughs) up and falling down, because he hadn't learned the fundamentals. Of course. And so finally, he did take a a class and he was fine. We have missed the class in the fundamentals of faith and truth for the human family. Yeah, we have um, as a church and as a society. Yeah, certainly, we bemoan the, the 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 reality that the church hasn't catechized well, but our nation, our our world has not taught, a couple of generations. Yeah, the fundamentals of being human. Yeah, of living in harmony with each other, of valuing the other person, even those who have no faith used to learn those basic fundamental truths. They are truths. And so that's why I'm the the broken record that keeps it. repeating. Yep. Because if enough of us keep repeating and enough of us start hearing these fundamentals, then we can make some fundamental changes <laughs> in how the world operates. A big amen
0: to that, Bishop Strickland. All right, here's another one. And I love what you say about the Mass. I, I've, I've, I've watched a video of you saying Mass, and I just got to say, it's pretty obvious you believe <laughs> what you're doing and that it's a sacred action, that it's a reenactment of Calvary and all the rest. So thank you for that. I, I have a good priest friend. When I was a young man, he always said, you can tell the spirituality of a priest by the way he says Holy Mass. I think he's right. Uh-huh. I agree. Here's what he said, Bishop Strickland. The greatest reverence... To Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is a soul purified of sin who receives him with a profound humility. And then you said, Repent of your sins, go to confession, do your penance, and seek reparation. Then, as you receive our Lord in communion, you will know how to approach him in awe. That's gold advice right there, everybody. So, Bishop Strickland, again, you said this. Is there a reason? I mean, I mean, is this something that you feel very strong about? It sounds like it.
1: Absolutely, it's the very heart of our Catholic faith mm-hmm. because it's it's Christ Himself yeah. that we're receiving, and I think it is important, Terry, because we hear a lot of controversy about who should receive communion and who shouldn't. Yeah. Um, politicians, or mainly politicians, but sometimes. They'll get into other public figures. Right. And I think get, what gets lost in some of that is the idea that our greatest reverence is living a, a holy life that we will never have the holiness in this world. God will perfect us, we believe, yeah. in everlasting life because we have to be perfect to be in heaven, that's according right. to what Christ said, Revelation. Yep. I'm not going to perfect myself, so we count on God to do the perfecting. Yep. But we are obligated to grow in holiness, to turn from sin, and then that's the greatest reverence if we are approaching the holy of holies. Yes. Which we know and believe. That's what in the Jewish uh, covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. A tabernacle in our Catholic churches is the Holy of Holies, and the contents of that tabernacle come to us at the altar at every Mass when bread and wine become the body and blood of the Son of God. So the greatest reverence, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tried to say yes. in that tweet. Yeah. The greatest reverence is where our heart is. Amen. Do we believe? Are we seeking to turn from sin and grow in holiness? And then if if that is where our heart is, then like you said about how I celebrate the mass, yes. I, I want it to be as reverent as, and full of awe as I can possibly do as just a sinful man that's that's very imperfect yep. like all of us. Yep. But if our heart is in the right place, I really believe this. And I think it's something that we really all need to pray about yeah. and focus on. Mm-hmm. Then how we actually receive, whether in the hand or on the tongue, mm-hmm. we're going to receive reverently. Right. We're going to receive with awe and with a great awareness of what we're doing and who we're encountering. So certainly it's important to receive the consecrated host with great reverence. Yes. We need to pray about how is the most reverent way that I can receive the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. But backing up from that, the greater reverence I believe is having a heart that is ready to receive him. Right. We I often mention the what we say at mass, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. And we aren't worthy, but we have the obligation to constantly seek to grow in that worthiness. I do and I I, I feel compelled to share that with others amen because i've read from some of the saints that the grieving of christ his suffering that continues in the in the great mystery of jesus Mm -hmm. christ yes his passion and suffering that we will commemorate in a few days Mm -hmm. during holy week it happened at a certain place at a certain time in history but in the great mystery that is Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, the saints remind us that he suffers with my sins and your sins as well. It's part of being the mystical body of Christ, that when we turn from him in sin, it adds to that agony, it adds to that passion, his, his gift of himself. So, we are are called and challenged to do everything we can to grow in holiness. And I'll be the first to admit that I have a long way to go. Me too. Um, You know, sometimes people, good, pious people in the church will will say, oh, Bishop, you're the holy man. Pray for me. I am called to be holy. Amen. Every baptized person is called to be holy. But it It makes me squirm a little to be called the holy man i should be yeah but i'm not comfortable with that because i know that i'm a sinner and i need to repent 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 and seek that holiness and that really allows us to flourish in god's love
0: well said i just want to remind some advice that was given to me about mass go to this mass this weekend as it was your last mass on your in your life. And I'll tell you what, you'll really be able to focus much more on that. We'll be back with the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We just finished the section on tweets and Comments about the culture. Now we're going to shift into the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And a couple of people have taken up taken up me my, my offer about free catechisms. So I'll say it one more time. If you don't have a catechism and you'd like one, call me at 877-526-2151. I'll shoot one off to you. And uh, what we're doing right now is we're in a section on what the Catholic Church teaches about sacred scripture. And I want to just show everybody... Every section of the Catechism has a section called In Brief, where it summarizes what we have already been teaching through the Catechism with Bishop Strickland. And so I wanted to hit a couple of the uh, paragraphs that where they they summarize what we believe about sacred Scripture. And this is important because we need Catholics to understand the value of Scripture. And I, before I do this, I forgot to mention with St. Joseph's Feast Day, Folks can get a plenary indulgence if they get to confession and to say their after their prayers for the Holy Father um, and the usual conditions. So don't forget, you can still do that. Uh, and if it's been a while, I'm going to make a suggestion that this time it'll be Passion Week when you're listening to this. What a great time to get to confession. So if you're waiting for some knucklehead to call you on that, that's me. I'm I'm okay on that. Go to confession. It's good for the soul. All right, Bishop Strickland, paragraph 138 says something about the canon, about the list of the books. It says, the church accepts and venerates as inspired the 46 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New. So when we talk about inspired uh, word of God, we've already covered what we mean by that. But this didn't take place like from the very, very beginning. It was the, what, the fourth century when the church really put this all together. So, you know, it's. It, you had mentioned earlier in the show how the church worked out its teachings in the early part of the centuries of the church. And now here in the 21st century, we have 21 ecumenical um, councils that have met and they've all dealt with different issues. But nothing has changed since that 4th century, has it not? I mean, we still believe that this is God's word and that it's inspired to, um, you know, for us to read and to know that the truth is there in the inspired Word of God. Is that a
1: fair statement? Absolutely. Um, and I think what you touch on is very important to realize if we could all go back to the apostolic times and often mention that we need to live First like the apostles yeah, yeah. in the 21st century. I love it. Um, because so much of what we take for granted isn't really there anymore. Right. And, and the apostles didn't have a New Testament. No. None of them had what we call the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. They did have that. And they knew it well. They, most of them were um, from the Jewish, the Hebrew community. Mm-hmm. Um, so the church had the writings from the prophets, the Old Testament, Genesis, uh, the Pentateuch, all the, mm-hmm. the books of the Old Testament, as it says, 46 books. Um, but they didn't have the New Testament. Right. They were literally living the New Testament. And we 21st century Christians mm-hmm. really need to, to wrap our minds around that. Because... Literally, St. Paul was writing letters to various communities like Corinth Mm -hmm. and Galatia and Rome. And those became letters to the Romans, letters to the Galatians, letters to the Corinthians, which ultimately we believe guided by the Holy Spirit and guided by the the community um, listening and saying, yes, yes. That resonates with, for the early Christians, that resonates with the Jesus we knew, the Jesus we heard. And then, as the centuries move on, it resonates with the generations before us and what they've taught us. They did a much better job, thankfully, of catechizing than we have, because the people knew, the Christians knew their faith. And they they were close enough to Christ, even though after you know a generation, they hadn't actually seen him, yeah, and didn't even know someone that had seen him. but they knew his truth. And that really, Terry, I'm often, mm-hmm. as we were talking earlier, yeah. and I have a a great devotion to Christ's Eucharistic presence. Good. Um, which we all should, um, because yeah. he's really there. The same Jesus that we hear proclaimed in the gospel is there present with us in the Eucharist. And the, the early fathers and the saints of the church have beautiful reflections on how that all works together. Yeah, um, As we celebrated St. Joseph I spoke about that, and in, in I had three Masses that day, wow. a, a wonderful privilege. Um, huh. You were not supposed to have more than that, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I only had three. But um, I had three Masses that I celebrated, and I spoke about St. Joseph holding the Word of God incarnate, Yeah, and very likely, he would have also held the Word of God in the form of maybe the scroll of Isaiah. Yeah. We have Jesus reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And as a good Jewish father, it's very possible that St. Joseph may have shown Jesus as a boy, may have been the first one to show him the scroll of Isaiah or the scroll of other writings and prophets and writings of the Old Testament. So what was beautiful to me it was the reflection on the word of God. Jesus Christ is the Word incarnate. As St. John's Gospel says beautifully, in the beginning was the Word, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God coming forth from the Father in the life of the Spirit, the great mystery of Jesus Christ. And um, so the Word of God, for us as Catholics, we should embrace the Word of God with the reverence. Yeah. And some of the saints talk about that, yeah. that every word of scripture should be held in our minds and hearts with the reverence that hopefully we receive the incarnate body of christ in the form of consecrated bread so it's a great and to me it's one of the great images of saint joseph to remind ourselves that he was a man steeped in the word of god as a faithful member of the the hebrew family of the house of david and he held the word of god yeah as a tiny infant as a little boy mm-hmm. i mean imagine um i remember as a kid i used to like to ride on my father's shoulders me too you know oh yeah how a kid rides on their their father's shoulders and imagine jesus riding on joseph's shoulders as that. they go off to the market or go to yeah. check one of joseph's carpentry um jobs that's what we need to do is to make all of them much more real because it's not just it's not making them real it's us waking up to the reality yeah that they were flesh and blood human beings living in a place and time and in the great mystery of jesus christ as joseph was maybe holding Jesus on his shoulders, like any little boy and his dad, that he's also holding the eternal word of God. (laughs) I mean, it's just mind-blowing if you really think about it.
0: Absolutely. We only have a couple minutes, but I want to just mention uh, 139. The four Gospels occupy a central place, and Jesus Christ is their center. And Bishop Strickland, maybe this isn't good, but I've been doing this for years— during Holy Week, I don't just read the Passion, you know, we read it during church, but I tell myself, because I want to get familiar with the Gospels, with the four Gospels, each year I'll try and read, and it doesn't take that long to read in you know, the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, but one of the Gospels, and then I rotate for that Holy Week, because I want to not just meditate on the Passion, but the whole picture, the life and death of Christ, the whole nine yards, and... um that's something that a priest gave me as advice, and I, I find it very fruitful. So I want to recommend that to our listeners. Uh, does that make sense to you to have the, like, make a little commitment during Holy Week to read the entire one of the four
1: Gospels? Absolutely. To know the whole story, yeah. Um, yeah. John would be a favorite because oh, yeah. he really embraces from the beginning, yeah. you know, yeah, when the right. Word was part of the creation and then becomes incarnate. Um, but all the gospels, yeah, tell the story of Jesus Christ.
0: Wow! Now, Bishop Strickland, uh, we're at a time now for this hour, but I want to encourage everyone. Also, during Holy Week, you might even pick up your Catechism, and I'll tell you why the, the fruit is. We we talk about the, the the fundamentals of the faith, and the Catechism is just that. And Saint John Paul too, in the beginning of the Catechism, says this is a sure norm. So I I just want to encourage all of us to be what I call high information Catholics. And I don't talk about high information about investments. I mean, many of us have PhDs. I don't. I have a PhD in common sense, and it ain't that common. But I want to encourage you to take the time to take this catechism with your Bible and look things up and study it, because you might be an expert in whatever profession you're in, and that's good. But I think... It's so important that we take some time with the Bible and the Catechism together to study our faith. And I noticed during Holy Week, there's something special about that week. It's the week that changed the world, is what I call it. And uh, this is a great time to study your faith during that week. And really, you know, ask Jesus Christ for more faith. That's what I would suggest. Bishop Strickland, can you give us your your priestly, but Bishop, uh, your blessing for the listeners, that, uh, they, that God will bless their families and that they'll be faithful
1: in their state in life. Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all the work of this radio program and all the programs that are part of this network. And we ask your blessing for all who listen for a little while or listen to a lot, that they may be drawn closer to your love and life through your Son and the power of your Spirit. And may the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mm. who said yes to the word, always intercede for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
0: Thank you very much, Bishop Strickland. For those who are brand new, don't forget the podcasts have all the other shows of Bishop Strickland, including other shows on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, apologetic shows, spiritual warfare shows, Just go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or give us a call at 877-526-2151. May God richly bless you. And until next week, God love you and your family. And this is signing off for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bishop Strickland, Hour. God love you.